0: Welcome to my podcast, All Things Agriculture. I'm your host, Eric Carey, and thank you for tuning in. On this podcast, get to know those who work in agriculture on a daily basis. Find out what they do, the challenges and opportunities they face, and what they think the future holds for agriculture. You'll also have a chance to hear what they do for fun when they aren't working hard to feed the world. If you're watching on YouTube, please consider subscribing to my channel and leaving a thumbs up and a comment below. If you prefer the audio version, you can listen for free on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. And if you'd like to get in contact with me, please email me at allthingsagrgmail.com. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to All Things Agriculture Podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us today. I am with Mr. Patrick Redmond. Pat, how are you doing?
1: Good. How are you, Eric?
0: Good, good. Thanks for coming down. I know it was a little bit of a drive. and uh,
1: No, glad yeah. to be here and excited to be a part of what you're doing and yeah. help and support and hopefully provide some insight and catch up with you here.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's been a while since we've seen each other, so I'm looking forward to uh, catching up. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I guess I guess there's nothing really new to and tell about the audience. Uh I guess I've got a slate of people uh, lined up in the coming weeks, so keep staying tuned and you'll see more and more videos and or if you listen on Spotify, so right. just stay tuned. Maybe so it's
1: a subscribe, review, and resubscribe.
0: <laughs> yeah, or share, whatever. Yeah, I usually don't say any I guess in the intro I say it, but yeah, subscribe, share, like, all that good stuff. So right. um Anyway, Patrick, so I guess I'll start out with uh, how does a young man from Scipio Center, a dairy farmer, turn into a uh, a wine and duck man?
1: Yeah, yeah, so the, yeah, I'll give a, I'll give a little background for those that don't know me, but uh, I grew up on a, a small dairy in Scipio Center, so Cougar County, right, and we had about, we averaged probably 60 cows, we'd go up or down a little bit as I was growing up, um, and then you and I, you know, so actually not far from here. It's only, what, 15 minutes maybe. Yeah. Um, and then ended up going to Cornell from my, high, you know, from high school into in Cornell. And that's where we, you and I really met. Mm-hmm. We probably Our paths probably crossed before and that. We played but, basketball. Yeah, basketball, yeah. yeah, that's right, yeah. You were the redhead. Yeah, the <laughs> lone redhead on that Southern Cougar team, and you know. I uh, like that story. Yeah, 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 yeah. The tall, tall, I was real skinny then, right, yeah. You were, yeah, you were real skinny. <laughs> but, uh yeah, so then I ended up at Cornell where we really kind of got, you know, you and I, our stories really crossed and intertwined and, you know, at AGR, obviously we were together. And um, as I, when I was a sophomore, I guess it would have been in college, we sold the cows, um, my family. So we sold the dairy cows and um, now it's, then we transitioned it into a crop operation. So my dad and I still actually manage that farm and run that farm, um, selling corn silage and haylage to another local dairy um then we from there we uh from there i took a few different internships you know one in a genetics lab one selling chemicals for a summer Uh, went to aiken's our friend ryan aiken's farm worked there for a summer which was just great got to you know live on the saint lawrence river and (laughs) soak up the sunshine whenever i could (laughs) built a barn and you know it's just a aiken's family is amazing and all the, actually, I've, I had this thought the other day. All the families I've got to work with and for have just been amazing experiences. You know, from the, the Aikens and the Mattoons and then the Zuber's, and now uh, at Herman Weimer where I work. So I, so my transition was from a sixty cow dairy kid, and now I'm, so now I'm a, a vineyard manager for Herman Weimer, uh, Herman J Weimer and Standing Stone Vineyards. Um, so I manage one of our vineyard sites. And then bounce around helping on the other sites. And then I also am now an owner at the Spotted Duck Creamery, uh, which I think it's, it's official, I guess. Uh, it's a pretty well-known like ice cream shop, isn't it? Uh, in we, that area. We just recently were, were rewarded with the top Yelp dessert for Rochester. Oh, really? Yeah. So yeah, we, uh, so we're off to a really good start. Um, <laughs> good job, Pat. Now we got to hold that standard. So yeah, uh. So it's been a pretty wild transition basically. Cause so, uh, so I, out of college, I worked for, uh, the Mattoon family at Pine Hollow Dairy for four years. Um, and then from there went to Zuber farms for two years. Uh, so we went to school with Anika. So it was her family's farm. So It was, you know, some different connections that have got worked me along the way. And then, um, through, I gotta stop saying, um, mm. but, uh, <laughs> through a combination of sources, uh, and family friends. So one of the family, one of the owners at Herman Weimer is a family friend, but, uh, that's how I kind of jumped into that to, you know, made the transition from dairy management to vineyard management. Um, so I don't know where we want to start, whether it's with talking dairy farms or if you want to go in chronological order or just, uh, it's,
0: you know, we, I guess we can start, you know, I guess early on with your, your, your dad, your home farm is still just crops, right? Yeah. Cows are gone yeah, or do so you have like, any animals?
1: Uh no animals currently. Uh, it's a two hundred acre farm that we kind of you know, my so my grand it's the grandparents the farm my grandparents bought and started. Um it's a little over sixty five years old now, I think, you know, since we've been there. It's uh the Hoskins farm before that. Um and so we've my dad and I just, you know, we kind of uh as it transitioned we could start side you know, it's not almost a side hustle, but uh it's just our way of keeping the land in production and keeping it you know in agriculture and in dairy it's kind of our now it's actually my part you know one of my few, you know one of my ties to dairy farming basically it's kind of how i you know utilize it and use it now and, uh, and it's good because it allows it's it allows my dad and i to work together which is something i really enjoy so
0: yeah that's yeah. a lot of fun
1: um
0: and that's and for people who don't know much about Cuga county scipio especially that's prime farm country like that's you know, it is, yeah, yeah, that's some of the best of the uh, best,
1: some good slope and drainage, and yeah,
0: big, nice open fields, my
1: grandfather, you know, tells me it's the best land in the world, so (laughs) he might be biased about it, just a little, uh, it is, it is, it's really nice farmland and really rich, and you know, Ben, you know, it it was, it was, uh, growing up on a dairy farm, I think, is one of the greatest places and ways to grow up, right, so you, I didn't, we didn't take a ton of vacations and I had to work a lot as a kid, but I loved it. You know, like for me, it was, I it was just something I loved. Like I would go, when I'd get home from school, I'd be out in the farm, right? Like I remember taking my dad coffee on snow days, right? Like he'd be milking cows and I'd go deliver him coffee. It's like, a, you know, I don't, must've been 10. It's mm-hmm. one of those memories so far back. I barely, you know, um, I, I, I claim that it scarred me cause you know, I would spill coffee on myself sometimes and <laughs> end up. End up in tears when i by the time I got to the barn, you know <laughs> didn't actually, but that's my memory. Uh, so I'd get to help milk cows, you know, which was just
0: I always thought it was when you had those snow days and you' go out and you help out in the barn, it was weird cause. It's like you're supposed to be in school, but you're out. Like this is usually I'm out here, at, you know, five yeah. o'clock at night. Suddenly it's, it's ten in the morning. I'm it's in exciting. the barn. Wow, this is something cool and neat. It's and fun, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I get to see what Dad does during the afternoon, and you get
1: free labor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It's,
0: it's it's a win-win. Well, when you're yeah, it's a win
1: for the for your Dad too. Yeah, he does okay. shovel some snow for me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I, that's, that was kind of my my interest in agriculture. I guess started really young, right? Because I just would go outside and you know, and I was on tractors pretty much at, you know, maybe I guess 12, I was probably on my own, on tra- you know, mm-hmm. had to be big enough to be able to push, you know, pull up on the steering wheel and push both the clutch and the brake down <laughs> at the same time. You know, so there's a tale of this time, you know, any farm kid has kind of done that. And, um, growing up being, you know, making hay and chopping corn and getting all the experience. S- those small there. square bales, right? Yeah. The yeah. Street. We, well, I got, you know, so it's, it's so funny. So we actually, when I was, We didn't do a ton of small square bales because we actually got a round baler. That was our big, you know. So when I was like 16 or something, we had a round baler. So we only did we only did small. You know, we only did a few loads of square bales a year, but
0: just enough for like the calves and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, The calves and the fresh cows. Yeah,
1: nice. You know, some really nice stuff. But I, yeah. So I always got kind of I got I got lucky. I'd say. I I did enough. I did enough to know I didn't want to do a lot. (laughs) You know was a nice 95 um, degree days yeah and it was yeah it's never cold right yeah it's uh and i got and i was i did get lucky because i never had to go in the hay mile. i had bad asthma as a kid so i couldn't and i was oh. allergic to hay actually which is wasn't very convenient for having you're do allergic hay. to hay yeah hay. so it's <laughs> hay straw dust really i didn't know that and <laughs> so i surround myself with that every day in agriculture right <laughs> wow
0: um, I guess the, the, uh, if you get stuff on like the breakout on your arm, you just tell, tell people it's your sunburn. <laughs> well, it hasn't
1: been too bad. I've grown out of most of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. As I, as I, it's gotten you know, better. Yeah. As you yeah. It's not nearly as uh, bad as what it used to be. So, um, right. So that's yeah, my, that's the, my start in agriculture, I guess we'll say, and developed a little bit. And,
0: so what was it like going from, uh, growing up working on a 60 cow dairy? Suddenly you go to Dale's, Dale Mattoons and it's, uh. 24 hour milk, you know, essentially 24 hour nonstop, you know, what, six, seven, eight hundred cows. What was that like?
1: Yeah. So yeah. Dale had a a thousand cows shortly after I got there basically. So he kind of, he, he was, um, I guess my, so my transition was kind of Cornell basically. Right. Like, so I wasn't, wasn't like, you know, one day I was 60 cows next day. I was a thousand, right. I got to make a little bit of a transition through like through the dairy science club and i guess yeah working for akins working for akins yeah it was a few you know hundreds of cows there right and you know and being able to just go see and the exposure i got at cornell is just invaluable right like you know everybody talks about you know your uh don't let your school get in the way of your education right you know (laughs) Yeah, yeah yeah and uh it's it's just i think you know the schooling was really good and really important but then the biggest value I got was like our, our trips to Germany and Italy and going, I, I, you know, I went to California and Colorado and being able to just see and look at all these different dairies and how they function and how they work and how the business model looks and all those aspects of it. And then being on dairy challenge, that mm-hmm. was, I really loved that. That's what, that was what kind of actually sealed the deal for me to go into dairy farm and out. Yeah, Cause
0: you're on the, you were on the part of national dairy challenge.
1: Yeah. 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 We won by the way. You case, won? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Was, you, yeah,
0: yeah, you that, forgot yeah. oh no I did thanks for and reminding then, me. <laughs> you had right. to that was uh, God, just a quick little tangent that was like uh, was that in, where was that was that in Syracuse is that out in, Indiana Indiana Indiana, in
1: Indiana. yeah we okay went I think out to Indiana Fort, I think outside of Fort Wayne
0: wasn't it like when you guys presented you had so many slides you were basically like speed reading yeah. while you were presenting because you're timed right yeah, in terms a, with your presentation the
1: dairy chat yeah it's a 20 minute time I remember it very vividly uh <laughs> We practice. It was a four-person team, so it was uh, Cassie, Rocco, Anna, uh, and myself. And the four of us, we we practiced like it was so. It's funny. So all through college, right? Like I struggled to wake up for those early classes, right? Like any you know college kid, right? You know, just uh. But then the second semester of my senior year, right? So my last semester, I had a Monday, Wednesday, Friday class at eight oh five that was required to graduate, and the professor was friends with my grandmother, right? So yeah had go. to go yeah, yeah. and then tuesday thursdays at 7 a.m we were in morrison hall practicing for dairy challenge right so every day of the week i was waking up college early you know it's not as a you know really not early now not early That's now now in. it's like now, yeah, it's yeah sleeping in right. nice. <laughs> eight o'clock start yeah. great yeah <laughs> uh now yeah but right so then it was like you know so it's funny though because it and it was almost fun because i enjoyed it it was just you know like once you find what you really like and enjoy all of a sudden it's just easy right mm-hmm. so it's classes at cornell some of the classes at cornell are hard right like chemistry biology oh. right like you know you just, we know chem you right? know, we, <laughs> uh, statistics i mean you, know, you want to feel cornell can make you feel dumb if you know you don't know you know oh you're, yeah you're, uh but no they did a uh but like so but the dairy challenge so big. sorry got a little no, tangent, that's fine. but it's focus on the dairy challenge aspect of it so our for our presentation right the four of us would we'd practiced and prepared all semester and we get there and the night but you know so you you tour the dairy and then the night before you prepare your presentation you know or you know and mm-hmm. the day of you, you you run through it a few times right so we'd run through it and practice and we had it clocked perfect right like every person it was like five and a half minutes four and a half minutes five minutes five minutes, five minutes right or whatever and like you know and then gave ourselves like 30 seconds leeway so we you know everybody's a little less than that or whatever yeah so, so we start presenting and every practice run uh, i think cassie was going a little too fast right she was just that nervous excitement you get, right? So we're just like, hey Cassie, just relax, take it easy and just walk your way through your slides. You'll do great. Like she's brilliant. Like, you know, she she she's, knew her numbers. Yeah. She's really good. You Very know? good. And so she's, so all the practice runs, she was a little quick and we're like, that'll be fine. Like we'll have plenty of time to do whatever we want to do. Um, so she starts talking and she listened to us and calmed down and went through her slides slowly and took like six and a half minutes, oh. right? Like, and and she did an amazing job and presented really well. And it was really great. And all of a sudden we all like Anna Rocco and I realized like all of our presentations have to go from five and a half minutes to four minutes. Like we got to shape like, but the problem is it's already set, right? You have X number of slides you got to yeah. get through, right? And it's the transitions are set up at the set certain slide points, right? You know, so it goes, it went, it was Cassie, Anna, myself, and then Rocco because I was keeping time, I had a stopwatch, you know, and that way I was going to signal Rocco when we got close. So Cassie goes and she's comfortable as can be. And then Anna gets the mic and like put auctioneers to shame, right? Like, (laughs) like this girl just starts flying, right? And like the whole time Cassie's talking, like the judges are all sitting there taking notes like, oh yeah, that's a good question to ask, you know? And then Anna starts talking and she's just like, boom, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, like, as fast as she can. And I'll, and then she's just like, and the the judge just sets his pen down, right? He can't, he can't like, keep up. He just sits back and just watches and listens and just soaks it up. And Anna just like, I mean, I think she did it in like four minutes flat, right? Like she took five minutes and shaved like five minutes. That was like full five minutes. And yeah. She shaved it down to four hands it to rock, like throws it at rock. Right. It wasn't like, there's normally it's like a casual, yeah. like, here you go. You're up next. You know, it's just like, boom, like, Or to me, sorry, to me. It was me. So and I and I tried to speed up a little bit, but I I didn't have that ability. I I I shaved like thirty seconds off or something. She did all the work. She She caught you guys back. She got us close. She didn't well she did that was the thing. She didn't even get us caught up. She got us close. Okay. So then like I helped a little bit and then Rocco took over. And Rocco like he and he turned it back up too. Like so he's flying through slides, right? And presentation and points and all these detailed you know, like dairy analytics and stuff. And then and I so and and I'm waiting. So then the queue was like at 30 seconds to go I like tapped him on the back right and then with 15 seconds to go I like grab his arm so like and he's just but he's flying blind until then right like you know cause yeah he, he doesn't know because you know he, we figure at worst case scenario you just skip the you just cut the last slide out and right you know you just it, you know it's kind of the way you prepare you know like we because the the penalty's like super severe right? if you go if, over yeah, yeah it's, it's you know um so we got right up to it and like as he's getting to his last side, I like tap him on the back and he just like ratchet, ratchets through it. And I never got to, we stopped like, it was like 19 minutes and like 54 seconds or something, you know, it's like in a 20 minute limit, right. You know, it's like, and like the judges afterwards, the judges are like, it's okay to breathe now. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it was just, but it was, it was an awesome experience. Uh, Mike I'm- Van Amberg and, uh, Betsy Holland and Jason Carsey's that led that kind of, and Sam Pheasant helped put that team together. So,
0: okay. Yeah. Obviously, it didn't hurt you because you still won. So, we did really you well. Had the, yeah. You had the information. We so. had the
1: right info and hit all the points and kind of, yeah. 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 It was, uh, it was exciting and a lot of, yeah. <laughs> as, uh, one of those experiences was a lot of fun. So, yeah. So, for, kind of from there, I transitioned into then managing at Mattoons. Dale, Dale was, uh, he's, I grew up with, you know, he grew up in the same county and whatever. And, uh, grew up with his daughters and, uh, he gave me the, it was an awesome opportunity to both learn a lot about dairy farming and then actually do a lot. Right. So he threw me into essentially a dairy management role. Um, And I was partnered up with uh, Adam Young there from the start. And Adam was a great teacher too, for a young guy coming out of college like that I was. So we got to build and it was, it was so exciting because 2014, I'm sure, you know, you remember 2014 milk prices were great, right? Record highs basically grain was low milk was high i came into the dairy industry and i'm like man this is awesome like this (laughs) is so much fun like we built barns we renovated barns and dale had been you know to dale's credit like it was his business plan and model that put himself in position right like he'd positioned himself and he's like all right you know and then he got the pieces in place and was able to make this expansion happen you know that he kind of did and piece together and um he's a really great businessman i was able to learn a lot from him both about dairy management and business and life i mean you know the things you learn you know when you work that many hours and that closely with somebody you get to get to know them be good friends and learn a lot from them so i owe owe a lot you know of my uh my traits the different traits that i management traits that i have to dale i catch myself sometimes sounding a lot like him you know (laughs) (laughs) which uh so that's good but no so we I got to do dairy, you know, dairy management at a large scale there, right? So, you had a 1000 cows and putting together different pieces and parlor running 24/7, right? So, it was my first experience with like midnight phone calls, right? Like I think you and Beck got talking about this a little bit one mm-hmm. time. I realized, yeah, like, you know, when the phone rings in the middle of the night, you got to pick it up and talk Spanish, you know? Like it's just just kind of a fun I mean, I think it's, I still think it's fun. I kind of got to rut you know, it's, it's, it's not great in the moment, right? You know, 2am, you don't want to wake up and talk Spanish. No, <laughs> sometimes you can barely speak English. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah it's not easy, right? It was, so that was, it was just, it was an exciting and fun learning curve. And I got to do a lot and learn a lot and just really develop as kind of a person and a manager and a business leader, basically, I guess we'll call it. And uh, From there, I had, uh, the, the the need or desire to move move you know after four years it had worked out well and uh, was kind of on to the next opportunity for me and at the time Zuber Farms so an, our good friend Anika was looking <clears throat> their family's operation was looking for somebody um, they're out Batavia way yeah yeah so yeah yeah so they're just in Elba New York which is a muck ca- or the onion capital of the world yeah. and, um, so got to got to move out there and uh, work for them. They've got a three thousand cow operation on two sites. Uh, so going from Dale's, where my role was kind of overseeing all of the operations and um, not having a ton of to do like hands on with the cows, and then going there and being able to really kind of develop some of those cow skills and spend a lot of my time working with the cows more directly, actually. And uh, as the because just as a as the scale, you know, from a thousand to three thousand cows raised three times as much, but it's it requires so much more specialization as you get bigger and bigger and bigger, right? Like, I'm sure, you you probably bounce around all day. Like, mm-hmm. you must do a thousand things and different things in a day, or you do yeah five yeah. different roles, six different roles. You yeah. you're
0: kind feeding of calves like. and milking cows, a tractor, to, yeah, yeah, everything.
1: So, being able to kind of make that transition and see the differences was eye-opening for me for seeing what the dairy industry is at that scale, you know there is a difference between a thousand and three thousand, 3000 basically. So that to the point where like a lot of my job was just working with the cows, you know, I, like at Dales I did a lot more with like the feed and the, doing different analytics type stuff and working. But then at, at Zuber's, I, the role was more like, I they there was, a there was the get where the gap was, was, you know, the cow work and working with, you know, breeding and working with the cows themselves on a day to day basis type thing. So.
0: so kind of almost like a overseen, employees and people to more you're overseeing the herd herdsmen work more or less than
1: yeah. kind of the, the transition yeah and one still working with it you know kind of leading a group of people you know that's kind okay. of my you know whether it's my natural tendency or you know i guess it's just a you know so I, there was a it's just a small instead of leading all the different aspects of the dairy kind of just focusing on leading the herdsman crew right? okay you know, so a smaller crew or, or a more or more specific crew but, you know so that was the it was a, and it was a different, you know, it was a, and I, the, the Zuber family is one of the greatest families I've ever met and had the pleasure of working with and Eric and Mike, they still, they'll still call me up sometime just to see how things are going. And I, you know, it's still super close with Anika and it's just, they're just amazing people and I loved working there and, uh, that
0: what? was really good. What was it like having two sites? Did you did you more or less stand one, or were you floating, or how was it? Were there two, two parlors? One was a heifer site, one was a dry cow site. So how was it set up? So
1: two 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 parlors. Uh, the main the main farm is where kind of all the action was. It was the bigger parlor. Uh, so all like all the breeding was done at that site, uh, the, uh, and all the cows freshened at one site. So the other the second site was more just for uh, that was where we would we had later lactation animals that were pregnant. So we, there'd be recheck pregnancies and dry off checks, but most of the time it was kind of like a tail and, you know, cows that are further along in lactation, just kind of go there, milk them, you know, feed them, feed them, milk them, let them get to the point where we're going to dry them off and then bring them back to the dry cow pens. So,
0: yeah, it's a lot less labor intensive time. Cause they're basically just hanging exactly. out. Yeah. Chilling. Yeah. They're
1: kind of at the at this point in their lactation where they're just like, just, milk until we you yeah, until you're kind of you know ready to stop making you know making milk basically
0: so would you have to haul animals or is it close enough like were they with a farm side by side so you could run them it's a couple a, miles okay yeah you haul
1: back and forth but yeah not it's it's you know it's, it's like the mixer wagon would just drive there right like it's not like we had to haul feed back and forth too often okay so like the mixer wagon it's close enough that the mixer wagon could drive there and deliver feed and they did uh yeah they do it they do a nice job they do it they're really good businessman and Eric he's got uh, a mind for what is that milk marketing so the the other big perk that I had in my dairy industry right so I got to work um, with a couple great milk co-ops so part of Dale's Dale is part of the milk plant in Auburn there and CMI and uh, Eric is influential an influential member and then a big part of the uh, upstate Niagara board so being able to work with some of the larger independent milk co-ops in new york i kind of got some insight into how you know just the different there because they're two different styles of co-op and cmi is relatively new kind of compared to especially compared to upstate yeah yeah Uh, that exposure really let me see the the woes and the the ups and downs of the milk marketing so from 2014 we uh you know as i started my dairy career at the high point and then spent the next I guess three or four years of just like skimming by and, you know, there was a, there was a, a tight year and then there was a year, you know, essentially a year at a loss and like, okay, how do we take what was a really tight business and shave another dollar per unit of production, right? You know, it's dollar mm-hmm. per hundred Like how do we, you know, like the conversations we're having are, how do, we how do we cut costs? How do we cut costs? How do we cut costs? Cause what, some of what I guess pushed me away from dairy was this effect of, you don't get to control price you sell your product for really right like you have some influence over it and there's you know incentives and
0: With like minuscule yeah and you know? in, in the yeah, broader in the scheme, in the yeah scheme, it's, yeah yeah 10 higher. cents a hundred way yeah, yeah yeah right yeah you're,
1: it's you're premium, something your quality but it's, premiums yeah. right yeah and it's so it's thing you know and there's you know there's so many factors and, and people who do a really good job and when you do a really good job at it you do you know you get paid a little better and you your cows perform better right mm-hmm. the metrics are all there for it and, but for me it's just you know the constant uh and that you know, so the kind of, I guess the quasi straw that broke the camel's back, right, was when the pandemic hit and all of a sudden the milk market just tanked again, right? So it, I kind of, the way I kind of viewed it is I've been, you know, been watching milk prices for 10 years, right? So from 18 to 28 or whatever I am now, and in that 10 year span, there's been one really good year and then two okay years and then two not so great years and then like three or four bad years yeah. you know because that includes you know that included like oh nine, yeah oh nine which was you know yeah. yeah yeah right yeah it's like coming you know like some of the worst prices ever right you know you thought well it yeah. can't get worse, right than when we that, went into college you know? yeah that oh
0: nine was awful
1: <laughs> yeah it can't get worse than that right so then you, you you go through those cycles so many times i and i you know and i i just as somebody you know so somebody's family doesn't have dairy cows anymore and i i still really I guess maybe, you know, off the record type, you know, (laughs) I do miss dairy farming a little Mm -hmm. bit. Oh yeah. It's in ya. Yeah. Yeah. And I I do like the animal aspect and the cows. And so that part of it is, you know, something that I, I really enjoyed and really enjoyed the business aspect. And the, there is in dairy farming, there's this, there's a drive for efficiency, right? Like you guys run it, you know, it's a big part of your model of like feed efficiency Mm -hmm. with your grazing pastures or, you know, there's, they push to be more and more efficient. And then, you know, and as labor costs rise, right? You have to be more efficient and more efficient and more efficient. And then, well, the model lends itself well to scale, right? Like, so the bigger you farm you are, the more scalability there is to it, right? And there's more, you know, just uh, economies of scale that come into play. So that kind of just, I guess that kind of, uh, that affected me a little bit. And then the other side of it is that, uh, so Oscar, he's my, boss at the wire or one of my boss one of the owners at the winery and a family friend so when he was an exchange student at cornell my family hosted him so my family hosted swedish exchange students when i was a kid so we had i think (coughs) seven of them or something so from oh when i you know from like 10 to or you know from 5 to 15 or whatever we always had a swedish exchange student with us every summer which is so they were kind of like my big brothers and sisters. So Oscar was one of them that my family hosted. We stayed in touch with him because he kind of ended up back in the states and came around, and we saw him a lot. And it was a really, you know, it's great experience for me as a kid because it was this international, you know, mature college students. They would just show up, and I could. They were like, you yeah, know, hang out with you. yeah, yeah, like, come play with me. You know, <laughs> and they were all really great. We had a really great experience with it. Cornell does a nice job with that program. So the. But Oscar's been, he's been, you know, I kind of joke, he joke he, he's he been trying to hire me and trying to hire me and trying to hire me. And it took him kind of three or four tries almost here of real, you know, real offers and attempts. And finally, it was, you know, with the pandemic is the timing was the pandemic hit and Oscar called. And he, you know, he, he jokes because he got, he, you know, when he was first talking, he says, "So oh, Pat, how's the milk price today? <laughs> you know, was kind of how he'd start the go. So just to get a little, you know, it's yeah. very, very oh, familial, yeah. familial. Yeah. familial feel to it you know so you would get a little jab in here and there and uh there's a lot of so that was kind of the 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 push and pull of those factors kind of led me to say well now's kind of a decent time to make a little switch and try it and let's jump you know kind of i guess okay, I probably it wasn't head for feet first I I'd say into the into the wine industry you know into vineyard management and the wine industry uh so uh, and I chose you know I I I, and I had to think long and hard about it it wasn't an easy decision and Part of it was that I wanted to free myself up to be able to do some things, you know. So the the dairy management, the lifestyle, the dairy lifestyle, kind of. You get to do, you get to dairy farm, right? Yeah, so you, you your
0: life revolves around the whatever the dairy is doing, essentially. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. like you, like yeah, you're, you know, your life, like you know, yeah. it's like you dairy farm. And, And it's hard to do other things if you you know so like you know not 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 necessarily social things right like it's they're they're their own difficulties in your social life but like you know you can't go start a second business really you know it'd be difficult like because you just take so many hours it's just hours that dairy farming takes to so for me I was like well maybe I'll jump into this you know the vineyard management and kind of you know working in that aspect and then try to do some other things with my free time basically is what I kind of you know
0: so before we get into did sorry, you yeah, ever like have any? No, 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 there. no, no, no. You're you're good. Did you ever have any experience with wine or anything? Did you take You took wines at Cornell, right? So you had some. No, you didn't. No, have, I never. Uh, <laughs> my, a, Oscar had a lot of faith in you. My uh,
1: my uh, my my wine experience. Sorry. You. Yeah, you're supposed to pour for the guest first. Actually, I Actually, right. I should probably be pouring for you, right? Well, no, it's whoever oh. whoever picks up the bottle. You pour oh, for okay, the other person. No. Yeah. Hey, it's the, The summer sommeliers Mm -hmm. would be upset with me, but we'll get into the etiquette of wines. Yeah, yeah, I'm not an expert on that, so (laughs) Uh, no. So yeah, it's it's funny because some people are like Pat, but like vineyard management. What are you? What are you doing? You know, you spend your whole life dairy farming and producing it. You know, and it's true, right? I don't. You know, I'm self-admitted that like I, 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 kind of part of the exciting part for me is that I actually get to jump in and just start. Like I get to learn so much so fast about. Vineyard management and grape production and grape harvest and winemaking, right? So, most of my role is kind of in the field, and kind of doing production, you know, the vineyard production itself, right? So I don't, I very, I do very little in the winemaking, right? I give a lot of the credit to Fred and Dylan, our winemakers, and they do an amazing job with the products that you know and help get the product there. But my experience in wine. Or, you know, grape production was an in one intro horticulture class. We talked about grapes one time. And David Frank Rossi, Baker, yeah, Frank Rossi and David Baker and I had to clean, oh, yeah, clean lugs and lugs because we had dozed off in class one time. You know, yeah, or, we, you know, was, we uh, picked
0: grapes and yeah. then we put them in those presses, hand, a hand, hand pr- cranks, yeah. And we filled up, we had grape juice, grape but juice. then what you pick, puncher a hole in the top of the plastic half-gallon jug, you could turn it into like a cheap-ass
1: wine. Yeah. <laughs> you could, yeah. You can make kind of a hooch Didn't yours it. explode? Uh, somebody's... No, my... Jay... Uh, no, Jay Someone did a nice job. He knew what he was blew doing. blew up. Uh, it, somebody's... They came back from like winter yeah, break they left and in it their, f- in their, yeah, in their, uh, shot up into the ceiling. <laughs> in their closet. And it exploded in their closet. Yeah, I, remember, I forget. I forget I remember who. I can't remember who that was. Intro Horticulture with Frank Rossi, yeah. See,
0: intro to hort was that class where it was the first class I ever stepped foot into. It was a nine Oh five on a Monday. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there and he's talking about what we're gonna do for the semester and everything. And I'm like, wow, if this is the way Cornell classes is, this is going to
1: be easy. But that was kind of a, a real mis- misleading. E- a little yeah, misleading. Such, yeah, Cause that class was actually, that, that was, was a really good class. Yeah. Frank was, he's just such high energy, you know, all the time that it really kind of kept you engaged and, but yeah, so, yeah, so I, that was my, 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 wife. I, and I did, you know, I took some soils classes, right. And general agriculture classes, mm-hmm. right. So in the, in the focus there, I, you know, like my, you know, having grown up in it around equipment and around tractors and operating things and managing people. And I had, I kind of check all the boxes, you know, like equipment operation and management and maintenance and managing people and understanding the business aspect and soil science and erosion and, you know, that kind of the. The base management of like, okay, nutrient management, right? I understand nutrient management. I have all the education in those things. Like, the only box I didn't check was like grape specific, you know, like pruning. And, yeah. You know, so it's one of those things like that. Like, that's kind of what I've been just soaking up like a sponge, right? Like, anything, you know, I'm working with a great team there. We got Taze and, and was one of our vineyard managers, and Tom and Hiberto. Is a lot of fun getting to work with guys who are as passionate as they are. And Fred, you know himself. Fred, Fred, and Oscar are the owners there, or the primary owners. There's you know some business structure behind it. But
0: so how large of a, how many acres is this
1: right. vineyard? So the uh,
0: is it vineyard or winery? Is that two different things? So yeah, they can be. So okay. the
1: winery, a winery can you know include vineyards, right? But a, yeah. win, a winery can also just buy grape, buy grape juice or grapes. From somebody, right? So, ours is a state grown. It's, you know, we have an an estate basically. So, it's a state grown wine that we make. So, we have, you know, different vineyard sites. And then we also have, so we have two wineries. We bought a second winery, or they bought a second winery, I guess, uh, before I was there uh, called Standing Stone. So, it's Herman J. Weimer on the west side of the lake. And then on the east side of the lake, it's actually, there's a separate vineyard site and winery called Standing Stone. Um, And that's a lot of fun because they actually, create um the different sides of the lake actually have a different textures and flavors in the wines and you're able to do different things because the microclimates or the mesoclimates on either side of the lake are different just based on the prevailing winds and how the uh heat basically the heat off the lake affects mm-hmm. them so to answer your question before i forget it, is we've got almost 200 acres of vineyard that we're managing or own and part of that is also a nursery business so we also grow grow you know like you know small vines that we then sell so okay we did i think somewhere around three hundred thousand plants this year that so we sold you know which is that you
0: guys not for your own use, but you sold or they sold
1: some of it. So yeah, so some of it we use ourselves, so we sell it to ourselves, right? You know? Okay. But, yeah, oh, it's, it's yeah.
0: this. It's a totally different entity. Kind kinda. of. Yeah, it's its yeah. own enterprise, basically. Yeah. So,
1: you know, it's different. You know, the details of how it's managed. Is, you know. Yeah. Above my pay grade. Yeah. But, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it's but we have a bit. You know, so we sell. We bring in material. You know, we take some of our own material and we grow vines and then sell vines. We're one of the, one of the few distributors in the Northeast. So. Wow. That's kind of a cool, uh, cool aspect of our production, and that allows us to, we get to, kind of control our own plant material, right? So, if there's a really bad winter, and there's a lot of winter kill, like so, you know, so a lot of the the original vineyard plantings on our sites were in the '70s, right? So some of our vines are, 40 years old, but every so often, right, whether it's mechanical damage or, frost damage, right, like a vine has to be replaced, so. Being able to control our own plant material, then we can just replace it when we need to, and you know,
0: or you don't have to wait on. Exactly. someone. we're not
1: buying it from a different country or different state, and then we're also able to when we want to plant a new block or a new vineyard, you know. So there's so there's the, the way it's kind of there's vineyard sites, right? Which is like your farm, you know, and then in the vineyard site there's different blocks right so then in the different blocks there's rows right you know so it's kind of the and then in the rows, there's plants right you know yeah yeah it's the the the, the breakdown so so like you know so if we want to plant a block that's what i'm talking about when we plant a block it's just a section of the field that you know so in a vineyard site you'll have a bunch of different varieties and different blocks and different aspects to it so that's the fun part for me is that i kind of come in and get to bounce around between the different sites and work on the different equipment and see the differences in the soil, you know, so the different soils and the different sites create different flavors in the wine. Even it's kind of, you know, there's a lot of, we work, we've started to develop recently, you know, they, they, Fred and Dylan and the wineries started to develop very like a vineyard block specific wines. It's like the one, the one we're actually drinking is uh, it's our biodynamic Riesling. Okay. Uh, highly yeah, recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why don't you? you the, we'll get into this. Put the it's, bottle up. Yeah. I'm it's, not it's, a wine person.
0: Like, yeah. this is really good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, it's, it's
1: it's it's my favorite wine that we have. If you want a little yeah, more? Oh, Yeah. Fill we'll her up. <laughs> uh, don't want to take an empty bottle so home. Yeah. 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 So you know. Um, <laughs> uh, but this is our. uh It's our biodynamic wine. So we'll get into what biodynamic means. But it this wine actually comes from a very specific block of i think about 60 rows that's just north of the winery right so it's like i can go and we can walk through the field of where these specific grapes came from and it's it's really interesting because 100 yards away there's another vineyard block that will the, the hjw so what you know herman j Weimer site that we have um that has a different flavor right like the grapes you know, like you can go out there the same day, taste grapes over here, taste grapes over there, and they taste different. Right? Like even
0: but do they look Do they look the same, or are they actually a different variety, or are they the same variety? Same but, variety, but same they clone, taste differently. Same,
1: yeah, it's just, and a lot of it has to do with the soil types and the management. So the the most of it's the soil, like location, right? So there's the different factors, like you know, there's sun exposure, wind wind exposure, and then just the different soil site, sites, and then some of it's age of the vines too, right? You know, there's a lot of different factors play one of the fun things that i've kind of the big one of the bigger differences in vineyard management is right these vines are older than i am so with corn or wheat or annual crops right you're managing like for a year right like an annual you know even alfalfa right less than four years right yeah you know yeah so there's a quicker turnover right but so we're managing for decades like our we're trying to create ecosystems that promote healthy vines that can survive decades of weather variability right heart you know harvest variability different all these different factors that occur in a decade right and so it's just a you, you, your mindset has to shift a little bit from like we're gonna plow it up so yeah you're never plowing it up yeah right? like our goal is you to don't, like, want to. don't want we don't want to right you know you want older vines and because they, they develop and give you some interesting flavors so lot of them.
0: so what's like uh and then is there is there like every year there's like you say there's going to be a couple percent of the of the vines that are it's going to get hit with a blight it's going to take some sort of damage like you guys anticipate so much kill every year like not you know it's just it's just a part of the deal and it's you know there's nothing to do about it
1: yeah so that the reason in the finger lakes that like All the grape production, like there's a lot of grape production around Seneca Lake, right? Mm -hmm. There's a little bit on Cuga and Cuca. And and the reason it's all so close to the lakes is because the lakes actually provide a warming effect in the wintertime. So within a certain elevation of the lake, it's actually degrees warmer, like average and cold. Like, so like, I'm sure, I'm sure you like when it's negative 10 here, if you go down right by the lake, it's zero degrees. Yeah. You know, it's a significant difference. Yeah. yeah. For instance, I don't, you know,
0: yeah, don't, don't quote me on you know, <laughs> I know Ithaca, when I would drive back and forth to Cornell that senior year, it'd be three to four degrees warmer Yeah, going in, and then three to four degrees cooler coming back home.
1: Right. So the, the climate in New York is is literally right on that edge, right? So for, for grape production, right? So uh, we have a lot of vinifera varieties, so they're not hybrids, right? So there's kind of the two. So our varieties are actually you know more like Riesling and Pinots and traditional kind of grape varieties from Europe that we, we actually graft them onto more hardy rootstocks uh, that survive better in the winter here. But they require that slightly warmer climate to be able to survive. So that's why all the grape production is so close to the lake and why there's actually the difference between the west and the east side of the lake. Since there's a prevailing west wind, you get, in the wintertime, heat that actually radiates more on the east side than the west side. Makes sense. Um.
0: What if you have ice over, does that, or is it never, I know, like, I guess certain parts of the lake is shallow enough where ice over, does that, is that even an issue for where you guys are?
1: So that's the reason, so the reason it's so popular around Seneca Lake is because it's so deep, it never freezes over. Okay. It's so like the ends kind of do, right? You know, yeah, yeah. But, yep. but the, the core of the lake, and even, you know, it has, I mean, if. In a winter, if the lake freezes over, like it's probably all screwed. It's so cold, yeah. (laughs) yeah, You know, so in terms of your, I think your original question was about how much we kind of prepare for prevent, you know, yeah, vine damage, you know, death. Is that we're really at the mercy of Mother Nature there, right? Like in a nice winter, like a calm winter, you know, there's no death, right? Like there's, there's, you don't lose them to cold stress. You lose them to other factors and different Mm -hmm. things, and you know, different disease pressure and different viruses that can move in and. But we, so we, you know, we kind of, we build some of that into our nursery inventory, right? And the nice thing is since it's a business, right? Like we can go and set, if we don't use them, we can sell them, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's. Someone's so going to have a, somewhere. Somewhere, somebody, or somebody's planting a new site, right? You plant a new a new site, you need, you got to fill it with vines, right? So it's, it's a nice, it's, it's a balancing act, right? So, we're, you know, they do it, we do it, we try it, you know, try our best to kind of, okay, we know we need this many, we like, you know, certain times you're Okay, we know we need this many X amount of vines. So we'll make sure we preserve X for ourselves and then if there's some extra maybe we'll find a poem for them type thing. So that's kind of how we try to manage it and work our way through that. So, I think we're sorry, we got how do we get off on this name? No.
0: <laughs> well, you're talking about what kind of wine? It's the with a bio, what do you call it? Biodynamic. Biodynamic. So yeah, what exactly a little bit more about this wine. Bio-dynamic. It's like I said, it's really good stuff.
1: Yeah, so it's uh a, it's, a, it's a dry reason with so it's really fruity on the front end and it's good you know it's, mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah it's yeah. very drinkable we'll call it you know yeah, so. you, you,
0: you can you can <laughs> people who, who are it. you can have a whole <laughs> bottle and you'd be yes, yeah, yeah and, yeah, and yeah. have a lot of fun yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. it's we, not going to that bitter tonight. nasty yeah, we'll red wine
1: taste right right yeah, as uh so people who are professionals at drinking sommeliers will be able to tell you actually what the wine is and what it pairs well with but it is a very good wine is what I'll you know that's <laughs> my <laughs> My poor description of how good it. I'm underselling the wine, is what I'm telling you. It's very good. But uh, so our, but it's the 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 reason I kind of part of the reason I bring this bottle when I go places, and not only is it my favorite, but it's also kind of an interesting story. So the biodynamic agriculture is this subset of agriculture. It's something I hadn't really heard about other than here and in vineyard production and uh, kind of uh, crops like that. You know, long term crops is where it really come like, creeps in. But it's a, it's almost a step beyond organic, actually. So, uh, Weimer Weimer, all of our vineyard sites are herbicide-free. Uh, everything if we don't use herbicides. We use mechanical uh, weed control, mowing, and takeouts, and hilling up, and move, You know, so we kind of move the dirt back and forth. So it's all herbicide-free. Our main the main vineyard site uh, we use is actually it could it's farmed organically. So it's not that it's chemical free. It's just that we only use like copper and some organically certified chemicals to control. And that's really just for disease pressure. So there's not, we use, you know, we use as few chemicals as we can basically is Mm -hmm. the the goal there. And, And our real mission and goal of doing that, right. It's not, it's, it's our focus is on creating a really healthy vine. Our goal is to, put as little detriment on the vine as possible right so the concept there is by never you know kind of applying as few chemicals as possible you never because all the chem anytime you apply a chemical to vine there is a certain you know you're you're weighing the pros and cons right like so when you eliminate the disease right that's really good for the vine Mm -hmm. but it does take some toll on the vine itself right you know it's just minuscule right yeah most of the time but our goal is to say okay well we don't want to take any toll on the vine if we can you know, we want the vine and the environment, you know, the ground basically around the vine, right? So there's deep tap roots, but then there's also shallow roots that soak up the nutrients in the, in this, you know, near the surface. So our goal is to kind of keep that environment as healthy and as nutrient dense as possible. So we can really, our vines can really thrive and be naturally resistant to these different things, you know? So kind of, it's like, you know, you try to have a healthy cow. You know, the healthier a cow is and the better, you know, the better you treat a cow during a dry period, the better she freshens in and comes You're right setting away. her up for success. Yeah. So we're, so, as, you know, so, we're trying to set our vines up to be disease resistant. So, that, you know, so that way they don't get the virus damage and we don't have the cold to heart damage, right? So, so now the biodynamic part of it is where, you know, you have to bear with me, Eric. You, you ready? <laughs> Buckle okay. up. So, let's, let's hear it. The biggest kind of the concept of it is, uh, you target the lunar phases of the yeah, the face of people like <laughs> the lunar phases for pruning and vineyard management practices and picking the fruit and different fertilizing applications are targeted for very specific times right so the, the concept is like right, so you the moon and astrology and different astrological figures and farming calendar right affects how water moves right like the moon affects the tides right so there's yeah, yeah. a subtle effect on the water that's in the plant right it's okay so there's certain times of the month and the year that it's it's better to go pick the fruit right so like it's actually when you know kind of when the plant there's fruit days and root days and it sounds a little kind of hearsay but the concept is you're you're targeting so that way well, like when you prune the, it's at the moment in time when it'll be least damaging to the vine right or when you pick the fruit it's when the fruit's at its optimal point so it's most concentrated right so it's kind of adverse of what you think but we're actually trying to create a concentrated product like we don't want a watered down you know you don't nobody likes watered down wine right so you, yeah. so we're trying to actually create a concentrated you know we don't necessarily want these huge grapes that are just full of water We actually don't pick when it rains a lot cuz the plant will soak up a bunch of moisture i know and the grapes kind of swell mm-hmm and so, so we we'll wait until that kind of dissipates back out so the co- the concept there is that we pick at the right precise moment of you know when the you know the grape is optimal and it's, and yeah, it's <laughs> now as you know as much as we sit here you kind of you chuckle about it right because it's like okay Pat sure uh, you know it's, what's your what's your astrologist say today you know, <laughs> how's the pattern looking you know, you, you wanna, do you, you break do you re- a fortune cookie you, open yeah yeah <laughs> do you go see a psychic
0: before you come over
1: so as much as we kind of pick and joke on it, we've actually noticed the difference in like, specifically like the grape skins in that vineyard site are actually hardier. And now it's correlation causation, right? Like yeah. there is some research done on it that like, you know, so they, but it goes back to that core concept of what we're trying to do is create this plant that is just naturally healthy and naturally, you know, like so that way we don't have to interfere. We like, like our goal is to interfere as little as possible and, one of the things we kind of focus on is you, you can't, you know, it's, you can't have great wine without really good grapes, right? So that's our goal is like we make our wines in the vineyard is kind of our concept, right? So once the grapes are pressed and the juices in the tank, we don't chemically alter it, right? We don't, we let the natural, it's naturally fermented yeast. It's naturally, there's, we're not, going in and changing the sugar content or the flavors like that. Like, so we're targeting our winemakers spend all of harvest. So from September through October into November, tasting grapes every day, they go, you know, all day, every day, they're running around the different vineyard sites trying to find, cause they, you know, they, they know what they kind of want to make with the wine. So they target the different like times like, okay, this vineyard site, we want to pick 10 rows of the 50 rows today because it'll give us the acidity that we want. But we want the last 10 rows to kind of hang there a little longer, because the longer you kind of leave it out there, the more ripeness and sugar content it can develop and create almost a sweeter wine, right? So, But your, the trade-off you make is the longer it hangs, the more time it's exposed to disease pressure. So there, it's a constant. So our our, our focus is really on targeting specific grapes at very specific moments to create the product that we want.
0: It's very time-sensitive,
1: Yes, yeah. Harvest was is, so for for me is my first year and first harvest, and they tell me I've been spoiled because it didn't rain but like three days, and it was just beautiful the whole time, and it was one of the easiest harvests ever, and the product looked great because it was a drier year, right? So there's less disease pressure in a dry year, mm-hmm. and. So they tell me I'm spoiled and it was just a super easy, great harvest. And uh, I'm nervous, you know, that it's going to get, it's going gonna, it's gonna <laughs> to gonna gonna get you. difficult. Yeah. So
0: this, uh, would you say this isn't the typical way that most vineyards would pick? They just start on one end and go right through or is, or are other vineyards, or maybe you don't know, are they targeting, you know?
1: Yeah. So it's, it's kind of, you know, there's different strokes for different folks, you know, a million different ways to skin a cat, mm-hmm. cats, right? You know, like not everybody does it the same way in dairy farming or crop farming or you know any type of agriculture right you know so it's it's there's it's a concept of you know so this it's our style right so a lot of places you know and we, and we it's not that we don't do some of that right so like we do do some machine harvesting like if we there's like blocks that we have that perform really uniform right like the whole block will mature like the same day right like it, there really are like you know different blocks just perform differently or you know or or we need, you know, there's X amount of this type of product that we need. So go get it on that day, right? You know, so we do do some machine harvesting where you just literally just drive down the row and take every grape, right? Um, the only one of the, you know, but one of the, so the next layer that we kind of add to it is that we actually hand sort everything. It's all the grapes that come into the press pad. So, right, so there's, you pick them in the field and we either pick them, hand pick them into, like crates that we stack up and bring or machine pick them into bins and then we dump the bins but everything goes across a table basically and there's a group you know from anywhere from like four to six people at a time just watching grapes go by on either a shaker table or a belt sorting out you know we're, we're, we're literally we're picking out like physical material right like every so often like a nail can end up in there mm-hmm. you know and the machine harvested stuff <clears throat> or any kind of different uh, bacteria or bad grapes or underripe grapes or over, you know, anything that like we don't like, like, Oh, that's like, if, or, or even like stink bugs, right. You know, like our ladybugs, cause they'll affect, that'll the affect flavor. the f- taste of the wine. Right. So, so we put all that effort into making sure that we can put as good a grape juice into the tank to let start fermenting as we can. So that, that not, you know, so not only is it on the vineyard management side, right from like day one, right? Like we're picking really great, uh varietals and clones that we use and then we're also using really high quality you know we try to use you know really good fertilizer and then we try to manage the grapes accordingly and then we try to pick at the exact right moments and reduce disease pressure right and then we also try to move into the next phase of like okay now that we got the product we need to keep it good right so then and then in the winery we try to like okay how do we mix the wines right so you know so because there are certain you know so the blending process right so certain wine you know some of our vineyard sites, so some like our our dry and our semi-dry wine, right? They're not they're from it's going to be grapes from multiple different blocks and multiple different picks. So I think it's like twenty some odd picks or something, you know, different picks, mm-hmm. so different spots that go into a single wine sometimes. Um, so that's kind of the fun part of even you know, so this wine comes all from one specific block, but it could have been two different days. Maybe we we went out and got some early to get that acidity just to make sure it was there, then reduce the risk of losing part of the crop. So that was kind of the the approach that Weimer takes is a really our focus is just we're just every step of the way we're trying to keep that product really as as high quality as we can. Um, wow, and so it's and you know there's vineyards different vineyards and wineries do great jobs doing it different ways right there's not where I'm not I'm not standing here telling you like this is the way it should be done right you know? yeah
0: it's, it's just one yeah it's our style yeah. and our it way works we've done for them it. Yeah. and how they how they have it sounds like they take a lot of uh I'm sure all wineries do but it sounds like you know they they put a lot of that harvesting time is like must heart Probably harvesting. What is it? It's a it takes a couple months. It's typically in the fall, right? You know, what?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we started Labor Day or right after Labor Day. I think we ran all the way through October. Okay. And it was a perfect harvest. They tell yeah. me. Yeah. You know, so There's like no rain. Eight, but it, yeah, it's kind of. It was like an eight to twelve week window, basically.
0: It's kind of like if you're gonna take first. Third, first, second, third, fourth haylage cuttings and corn cutting, and throw them all together, yeah. and trying to get that perfect. Yeah, you don't want to be too too late. You want to have the right dry mat It's kind of, it's trying to bring it back to dairy terms. It's, no, yeah, it's, it's go ahead. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's I kind of see it like that. It's even more precise because you know you typically aren't going out there and chewing on a <laughs> corn cob to find out if it tastes a certain way. So uh, but, that's, that's that's interesting. I didn't know all of that. So a, that's yeah. really cool.
1: Well, that's, that's like, that's, you know, I, I, I might've been rambling there for a little bit, but it's, no, it's, it's, that's been so exciting for me to be able to learn this, right? Like to just be thrown into this, like, it's all new, right? It's all new to me. And you know, and I, and, and I, you know, I might've just told like five lies there. I don't even, you know, <laughs> fact check. That's... Yeah. Somebody, yeah. Uh, you might get my, you might get my channel yeah, banned. Yeah, yeah. so, Patrick, yeah, somebody, Banks. A fact checker might have to come Some in here. Some wine guy's going to come Jay, after Yeah. Me. Have Jay come, you know, and quit, let him quit lollygagging down there. <laughs> told him i wouldn't steal all of his all the yeah thunder,
0: he, so. he was like I'll have he's i was gonna have him on earlier but then he had to decline but hopefully he'll be coming on later and uh he's like i'll let pat be the wine guy for now but i'll That's come back right. on later
1: he and i have a lot of fun going back and forth
0: so but uh so yeah so your wine but then you also like you said you alluded to it, having to be able to get into other businesses so yeah. why don't you jump into that one so
1: this is this is where, you know, so the people, everybody I kind of talked to, they were, they, they could understand the transition dairy management to vineyard management, yeah, a lot what? more food yeah, time. yeah, yeah, yeah That made sense. Enjoyable, right? You know, you get to your days off and weekends and see a little bit of seasonality to it, right? So yeah. harvest was, harvest is crazy, right? You just, if the sun's shining and the weather's good, you go and pick grapes, you know? And we, we, we tried to make sure everybody got to days off and time off, but like you're working, like you're working hours, mm-hmm. like, you know, there's just you got to put in the time because it's time sensitive, right? There's, you got to get it today, right? You know, you got to get it now or it's going to rain tomorrow. So you got to go pick some more today, you know? So that way you put it in the, the cooler overnight and process it tomorrow. But, uh, so there's that aspect of it. But like this time of the year, right? It's a lot is it is, it is slower It's just naturally, right? Like the plants have gone dormant, you know, we're doing some pruning and doing some stuff and, you know, kind of catching up on equipment maintenance and fixing things and planning for next year, but it definitely, it's a more relaxed pace. It's very, it's a lot nicer than that. But what that's allowed me to do is that I've now picked up this. I call it my side venture. Uh, we'll see how it develops. Uh, but I so now I've in October, right? So in the middle of harvest, we. Uh, my boss Oscar approached. Me, you know, he's, he's he's. I joke. He's my boss. My, he's a family friend. My boss and now my business partner. Uh, so Oscar approached me with an opportunity. That wear it so. Spotted Duck Creamery is a it was an established ice cream business and stand. So they they make they make we or we now make we make ice cream using the duck eggs. So it's technically an ice cream custard, um, but the duck eggs are unique because they actually they provide an extra richness and creaminess to it. So I brought some. Yeah, i you want me to yeah. grab some? Yeah, yeah, you yeah, can yeah. grab it and serve it up. I'll keep talking. While yeah, you. yeah, keep talking. So that <laughs> the. The duck eggs, yeah, they provide a little bit of an extra creaminess and richness to it, so the spotted duck business was that they had two hundred ducks or a couple hundred ducks essentially wherein we uh and then we use that, and our focus <laughs> yeah show the lids right yeah, it's yeah. The, uh but uh the focus is uh. And it's available if you go follow us on Instagram or Facebook. You can. uh, We're open on weekends from twelve to six. You know, I got my pitch. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm here to advertise. So, Uh, we uh, our focus though is really so even on the, the product here is that it's it's a lot of local ingredients. So we buy all the ingredients that we go into. We get as much of it as we can from local sources. So like the duck eggs, you know, come from our backyard. Um throw that anyway, Eric. We
0: don't
1: use that one. But our uh and like the milk comes from a local local dairy farm where you know he he uh, it's gra- it's actually organic grass-fed milk, right? So it's and it's it's kind of unique cuz so we don't obviously we don't demand a ton of milk, so he only has eight cows, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but he does he does a nice job with those with those cows and he has a few other businesses, right? It's not all he does. But uh so the, the opportunity came up where the family, the previous owners wanted to a little bit of a change of a pace they were there was you know they saw that the business had the potential to grow and develop but they've kind of there is a husband and wife that started this business and they have a family of I think it was four and now five kids or five and now six you know it's a growing family right so they they wanted to be able to kind of not have to run a business 24/7 so that's kind of their hope was to be able to step back so it created this opportunity where Oscar was helping to consult on how to like the potential of this business right and how it could grow and develop and sell and Oscar kind of was thinking and looking at it. He said, "Man, that's not a that's a pretty good business model, you know. Maybe maybe we can kind of put together some a, a group of people. and We can take this, you know." So another guy that was interested was uh, Sam Solomon, who owns Pizza Posto, which is a wood-fired pizza truck based out of Geneva. Uh, and he was he would he used to go to Spotted Duck and kind of deli- you know serve pizzas. So he and he makes the best pizza. I mean, I like if you think you've had good pizza, you haven't like go try it you know it's it's delicious it's it's, it's you know and fresh out of a wood-fired oven like you can't beat it like it's made to order you go up and order it they then put it in the oven and hand it to you you know he does an awesome job and uh learned he so he spent time he's a hobart william smith graduate and spent time in italy learning how to like the process and the systems and like how to do it so he does he's done a really great job with that and then, so he 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 he, want, he had interest in this because he saw it as a way to like park his truck and develop his business, but also that like this spotted duck brand has so much potential. That was kind of so, well, kind of coming at it from different aspects. But so Sam sees it, you know, he's excited and you know, energy, and I'm excited, and Oscar's excited. So then Oscar approaches me because I was house hunting in the area at the time. Just you know, it's a good time to buy a house in my mind. And I thought, well, you know, I'm getting older. You know, it's a good time to settle in and get a house. Um, and, you know, yeah, going to try you know, make a real go of this and get a house and, you know, see what happens. And so, and he says, Hey, you know, Ozzie one day as a Saturday or something. And I says Hey, come, I want you to come and meet me, you know, at this place it's called the spotted duck. You know, I got an opportunity. <laughs> so we pull in and I'm talking to, him. he says, what do you think you got any interest in living here? And I was like, well, I could. Yeah. I'm like, what do you, what are you thinking? He says, do you want to take care of the ducks? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> said, so
0: the spotted duck is it's, it's a, brick and mortar but then there's a house and like a barn with it yeah yeah sorry
1: yeah so there's an ice cream stand and then across the driveway so you know 20 yards away or whatever is the house and then out behind that is the barn with the ducks and the pasture for the ducks
0: that's where the husband wife and the kids
1: lived they lived there and they worked in the stand and they make the ice cream there and everything's real local uh you know or localized right on it so for us it was you know it's like well we, we don't really you know none of us have like a family or free time that we can do it all so three of us kind of teamed up and Oscar's like, well, we need a farmer, you know, so I kind of dairy farmer. So I joke, yeah, I'm farmer Pat, you know, <laughs> there's uh there was a, it was, you it so know, it's October, I think it was maybe 13th. I started taking care of the ducks. It's like, I, you know, it's just, I was like, yeah, I think I could do this. Like, I can, I can figure out how to feed ducks, you know, and I can, i can you know so i go i went and I, so i worked with the previous owners and we're still working with them they haven't you know they they're they they really they're super passionate about what they've created and we join them in that passion right it's just like this is an awesome product right so you're gonna taste it here i know everybody thinks i'm crazy like pat ducks (laughs) what are you doing with yeah i
0: thought it was a joke when you first told me
1: you said ducks yeah did you did you miss you talking about like
0: the big white ones right
1: (laughs) well so we have two types of ducks so the reason it's called the spotted duck because we have Ancona ducks, which are these black and white spotted ducks, uh, which are you not, they're, they're not the biggest, they're a little smaller than those big white ones. Those that white ones them, are isn't. pricks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <so> these <laughs> ones are, they're a little friendlier, I guess. But, and then, so we have those, uh, and that's where the name comes from. And then we also have what are called khaki Campbells, which are browner ducks, and they're a little smaller, but they lay it more eggs. They're kind of our, they're our workhorses. They're, you know, the spotted ducks, they kind of, they, they look cool. You know, the Anconas look cool and they're, they're nice, you know, and they do a good job, but the khaki campbells they really pull it home you know um so yeah so that's kind of how, like the four the initial formation was the three of us sat down at a table at the ice cream stand one night and we're like what if we did it like this you know like what if you read the so sam's role is you know he's he's running the he's he's kind of the day-to-day day guy and he's running kind of the operations of the business because okay oscar and i both have full-time jobs right you know and and sam, so sam has his pizza truck which will be parked at the ice cream stand and then he'll be r- helping run the ice cream stand and
0: we- makes sense he's right there
1: yeah he's yeah. in food yeah and, yeah. He, and he you know and, he knows and all Oscars, that, yeah. you know and then and so and I'm my role is like kind of managing the estate and then like taking care of the ducks right so like I, I my my life now is is okay so I, it turned to I take care of the ducks in the morning and i i feed and water the ducks in the morning and collect eggs and then I go off to my winery job, you know, go to the winery and work there all day. At the end of the day, I come home and I, I wash some eggs and, you know, just to get the big chunk, you know, the big manure off them or whatever and put them into the refrigerator so that they keep a little better. And then I put the ducks in at night. So, like, after tonight, after our recording, I got to go back so that way I can just close the door up, you don't, know, because... Don't let the fox get them. Yeah, you got to keep, you know, and...
0: Uh, so, so to get away from the animals, so you had more time, you ended up going back to animals <laughs> so you could take care of them twice a day.
1: And That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. You need
0: an electrical gate where like it's time to kind of clock, it closes and well, you know, just by, you know, the process of elimination, the dumb ones will eventually get killed <laughs> off and you will not have any more dumb ones and they'll, That's all right, are, yeah, survival of the fittest. Yeah. Like, well, survival of the fittest. That's what I want to say. Yeah,
1: our, our goal is to keep the ducks alive. So. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we've got uh, almost 200 ducks, uh, 12 chickens, two roosters, four guinea hens, one Canada goose that thinks it's a duck. Did he just show up and join the crowd? When it was a gosling, it imprinted on the herd or on the flock. What does that mean? It's- uh, so it's imprint. So the imprinted. So when it when there's baby poultry, right, the first thing they see, they assume is like mother oh okay. or friend or is, okay. this is my family so okay <laughs> somehow it got i don't know they, they the pre, they don't know how it got there but it's there and it thinks it's a duck i kid you not this goose like it could fly away like we haven't done anything to this goose that like there's no reason for this goose not to fly away other than the fact that it thinks it's a duck you <laughs> know it's like twice the size probably. it's twice the size <laughs> and it sticks out and it but it runs around with the ducks and it isn't friendly as, you know it's as friendly as all the ducks are <laughs> can you use their eggs too
0: or is it you want specific duck so, eggs?
1: No, no, we think we can. I'm going to admit something. Yeah, I don't actually know if it lays eggs. <laughs> I haven't been able to. I haven't made the effort to figure out if it's a boy or a girl. Oh, okay, okay. A, you know, every so often there's a really big egg, and I think those are the goose eggs. Uh, but the, So the duck eggs, for reference, on average are jumbo eggs. Right, so the duck egg. The reason we like like the ducks is that it's a bigger egg and it's a richer egg. I forgot to bring you duck eggs, Eric. Man. I've Justin
0: oh Fees, and Jamie have they given have a me few. duck eggs. Right. Those
1: suckers are like they're big they're and they're rich big. and yeah. So the 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 different the proteins are actually a little different. The protein profile in the duck egg is a little different than a chicken egg. Uh, so it's actually better for you.
0: Okay, March was it like <laughs> less different. cholesterol, less fat, and it's more protein? Uh, it's actually a little
1: more fat, uh, okay. but it's, it's a healthy, it's those healthy animal fats, you know, it's Okay. the bad rap that eggs and butter got are actually, you know, it's like, Oh wait, that's actually good. It's a, you know? yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <We laughs> the yeah. The eggs and butter are good for you and yeah. whole milk and is good for you, you know,
0: instead <laughs> of eating margarine, which is that's right, yeah, plastic uh, that
1: flies don't like. Right. <laughs> uh, so that's the, yeah, so we that's the, the duck egg processor, wheat rationale that we use the duck eggs for. So, and
0: then. With having eggs in this, does the pasteurization take care of the whole like raw egg? Yeah, thing? so when, yeah,
1: you're right. Yeah, so the mix that we make, the the bat, the pre mix, right? So, but you know, so it's it starts as a liquid, right? So we actually that's up to 180 degrees. Okay, we want yeah. to add the eggs, so it is. The process we have is approved by the health department, right? Yeah, we're not just out here throwing eggs, you know, <laughs> throwing them over make our some, shoulder yeah, cream, throw right? a couple of eggs in there, you know. No, there's a, there is an approved. Tear on your chest. Yeah, there's a, <laughs> yeah, we we're, we're well aware that like E. Coli is real. We need to, you know. Yeah. So we and uh, we actually, so we hired an ice cream maker He used to work for Van Lewin, uh, which is this uh, ice cream brand based out of New York City and Los Angeles. That's really it makes some really good ice cream. So and he's Robert. And his wife Tula work for us, and they are exceptional. Robert he just has a passion for ice cream and desserts, and he came in and loved what we were doing. And I mean, he's just taken off. Like we're 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 having a lot of fun with it. It's 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 turning into this really fun project, basically. So like Oscar saying, you know, it's kind of a startup business that's mm-hmm. already established. It's a little kind of an in between type thing, right? So like we're taking we kind of took over the business, and now we're trying to grow it and turn it into something more. That's,
0: and it's all year round.
1: Yeah, so this so this is the first year so uh okay. that we've been open in the winter time. So okay. we're like courts are available now, and then Saturdays and Sundays from twelve to six, they're serving scoops oh, out of the stand. Cool. We're not doing you know we're not doing Sundays. We're not doing all like in the summertime. We actually do flights too. We do ice cream, like wine flights. You know, tasting flights. So we'll do ice cream flights. You get a tray and you can try twelve flavors. Oh, nice. So you get twelve scoops. You know, so you and your friend can come and you know whoever you're with can try all 12 flavors
0: this sounds like something you could like you could almost like franchise because you just need a brick and mortar <laughs> yeah. with someone who can make ice cream you give them your recipes and, and they have to raise eggs. as long as they're not dumb enough to be able to raise you know as long as they can raise ducks ducks like, are great man i tell ducks you seem like they're probably pretty low 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 stress pretty ducks easy are uh, yeah
1: they're uh they're underrated i think in my book they're they're really great um they're uh they have a they're naturally disease resistant right so they're also weather resistant right so you think a duck right like you know is covered in down feathers right so it's waterproof windproof and warm right like just right off the bat it's prepared like the weather really doesn't bother a duck right so then so then you just have to focus on kind of animal basics right like it needs high quality clean water right so water is super important for ducks like they, they, it's true, right? You know, the ducks, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, It makes sense, right? So they need clean water, fresh water every day. And then we have a high quality feed blend that we get from uh, Lakeview Organic Grain Company that they custom make, you know, a custom blend for us that was developed by the previous owner. And it's set up, you know, it's got, you know, and it's corn, it's mostly corn and, you know, different grain, small grains. And then we put a little mineral package in it, you know, just to kind of, it's important for the actually consistency of the eggs to get that hard shell. So, you, you know, high quality feed and water, right. And plenty of it, right. Ample, you know, free choice basically all day and then good shelter at night. Right. So then, you know, and it's just straw bedding and some nesting boxes. And the biggest difference between ducks and chickens in terms of like eggs is that the ducks hide their eggs. <laughs> so <clears throat> ducks. So every day I spend my, I spend my morning, hunting for duck eggs so at the within reason, their building so yeah so they, they tend to lay them in the early morning so i the reason part of the reason i lock them in at night is so that way they don't run outside and lay eggs wherever they want right not yeah. only is it to protect them from predators but when i go in there at 7 a.m i need to be able to find the eggs right so but they, they don't like chickens put their eggs in a nesting box right they they roost in the nesting box that's where the eggs are right they're they don't lay them everywhere right they don't just hide in a corner somewhere <laughs> But duck eggs, like when I walk in for the duck eggs, sometimes there's one that's just like in a pile of straw in the middle of the floor, but it's hidden, it's like they cover it in straw because oh. it's a natural instinct for the ducks to yeah, like hide yeah. their eggs. Because in the wild, right, they have to shelter them while they go and eat or drink or whatever. So that's so, like, I have to go around and like, I don't know how many eggs I'm gonna find in each box, I have to kind of like filter around, and a lot of times they're like. Like I know, I'm. I know we're kind of. You know, I know their hiding spots. I figured them out. You know, <laughs> ducks. I got them figured out. You know, everybody. They yeah. had you the first week. And and first week. Now, yeah. Now now you got I got them. them. Got I got them. them. Yeah. I got them on the ropes. But uh, yeah. So that, but they they literally cover it. Like so, like the eggs are covered by straw at different times. So I got you move the straw, and it's like, oh, there's twelve eggs. You know. So it's kind of. It's been a lot of fun for me being able to kind of just learn this different aspect, and you know. Bring kind of what I know about the basics of, you know, taking care of an animal, right? You know, food, water, shelter, right? Like there's these basic just instincts of like, okay. And then with ducks, it's kind of fun because you get to play around with the lighting, right? So there's actually, we do extended lighting. Mm-hmm. So we keep them laying eggs in the wintertime and throughout the year, right? We provide uh, levels of, uh, uh, we so the lights turn on at 4.30 in the morning. And then once the sun comes up, they turn off. And then they turn back on when the sun goes down, so that they stay lit until. They 9 think 9. they think photo period. It's like summer all the it time. It feels like summer, and that's how you can kind of keep them producing uh, throughout. Yeah, throughout yeah. the year. So yeah, let's try. We'll serve a little start. bit of the ice cream up here, so that way, yeah, that way it doesn't get too melted oh, on us. Yum. So I bought our brought our butterscotch brownie. Ooh, it's yum. getting it's getting a little yeah oh, we'll have wow. to hurry up here and <laughs> it's getting a little melty but, uh so this is. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, if I were, or give it a try and get going on it. Um, our butterscotch brownie is actual real brownie chunks, um, and then it's got our one of our mixes. Ah, ooh, no, I'm, no, I've cornered myself. We start with the ice, different ice cream bases, and then the other one that we I brought is our real cookies and cream.
0: Wow, that's real. That's <laughs> really good. So the yeah, I'm I, glad you brought
1: a two quart of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I might have to leave some here. Is wow. that what you're telling me? Yeah. Oh wow Um, those
0: chunks are unreal the brownie chunks are gigantic
1: yeah so the and then so the 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 brownies and the cookies and cream are actually some of them are made with our chicken eggs right so i get duck eggs and chicken eggs right so the cookies are the cookies and cones we make every day and they're made with the eggs from our farm store, right so we're not we're trying not to waste any product and utilize everything that we make um and so the the cookies are homemade secret. It's a secret recipe. They are good. I think good. Sure it's secret. You know, it's a secret.
0: You just you just went to number one of all time for my podcast so far. This is great.
1: <laughs> just had to bribe you to get there, huh? Yeah.
0: That's uh, for anyone else who's going to be coming on eventually. Just if you bring me food,
1: you'll be one of the top people. Move up the list fast, right? So it's been – it's really exciting too because – it's just so different, right? Like you know, my grandfather gets a kick out of it. So my he's ninety three, and he he started in agriculture when he was in his teens. He worked for the first rotary <clears throat> rotary dairy in the United States there, and back in oh whatever, a long time ago, I think Is yeah, it was in the forties. When was that? When would that have been? Um, I don't know. Anywho. And uh, he said so he, he he's uh, he's told me that I I really need to record and keep track of what we're doing because it's just a, a wild story in his mind of what we're doing with spotted duck and different things and I think it's a lot of fun and it, we're we're cre- you know so it's, it's funny you know I, I I won't lie you know it's a little skeptical like duck eggs you know like that's you know and I was like man this seems like a questionable business model but then you taste the ice cream and you say yeah. okay. Nope. No. We're good. Duck yeah, eggs. we're good. I don't yes. care. Throw some more and that's fine. Yeah. When,
0: I, when you told me, I saw you back in August, like working for a winery. Cool. Ducks. What are the ducks for? Cut for the ice cream. I'm thinking, why would you put eggs in ice cream? I'll tell you
1: firsthand. Eggs and ice cream are delicious. <laughs> Great. It's a really good. Place. Yeah. So, and Very so. creamy super creamy rich and yeah wow so and and it's kind of it's kind of funny because we have the same focus right so our goal is to we source as many ingredients as locally as we can right so that that system of getting your products from local sources right it just i think it fits with agriculture and fits with food products well and distribution well. And knowing where your food comes from right like I think I like, I'm not, I don't stand here and tell you that, like, you know, you have to organic production is the way to go and it's healthier. No, I think, like, understanding where your food comes from and how it's produced is more important, right? So I think, like, go learn about how your food is produced, right? It's difficult, you know, and that's kind of part of the reason I like, I wanted to come on here and be like, listen, like, we're doing, we're creating a really cool product, I think, you know, and it's something I want, you know, like, it's fun because you get to learn about it, right? Like, We list our ingredients, right? Like a bunch of them are certified organic and then most of them are locally sourced, right? You know, as many as we can, you know, cane sugar. turns out they can't grow cane, (laughs) organic cane sugar in New York. (laughs) So I'll let you know. That's that's the one we haven't figured out yet. But, uh, you know, like our eggs, our butter, our cream, our cream is upstate organic certified cream. Um, we're working on like our different ingredients that we have in the products are as local as we can get in the summertime. We do some seasonal fruit flavors, uh, and the reason they're seasonal is because we have to have strawberries growing to be able to produce, you know, the strawberry products, right? Mm-hmm. And we'll and we'll freeze and preserve some of them, so we kind of extend the season as much as we can. But you know, our goal is to like blueberries and raspberries mm-hmm. and cherry flavors. We kind of go find them when they're ripe, bring them in, and produce a product with them. You know, so that's that's the it's it's, it's really exciting because we get to bring in all these different brands and people and things and kind of throw it into an awesome tasting product that's kind of you know
0: i can see why it's successful just it's a delicious product (laughs) and you have the whole the marketability of it is you know golden Mm -hmm. with you know people just love that kind of you know the local and like you said whether or not you think organic is better or you know i don't think it is any but that doesn't really matter all that matters is you're making a really good product and people like and they want to buy it, and uh, yeah, no, it's it's delicious.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can throw them back. The, you should throw them back in the freezer real quick. So yeah, because too... I'm surprised how quickly they melt. Well, the I the problem is I brought them here in a package that didn't keep them super cold. So oh, well, yeah, it's not <laughs> a lot of that's my fault. Not necessarily the ice cream. The ice cream itself, we serve at we store it at negative ten degrees.
0: down to below freezing or whatever it doesn't get that layer
1: of ice yeah yeah so our goal part of the ice cream making process eric's question was about how quickly we try to freeze our product And um so the way it works is we take that 180 degree product right and we we you know so we put everything together make the base mix so the base mix or whatever it is and we put that in the fridge so we so you have to take you know because you don't want to go from 180 degrees to zero it's, hard on the equipment right it's just like yeah <laughs> you yeah. try to do that it doesn't work very well so we actually cool the base mix down in the fridge first to get it down to like 35 40 degrees right and we could take that and then we put it into what's called a batch freezer which is just like a churn and you know, it's just and um so that takes it and turns it in like the product we try to get out of there is essentially soft serve right so we get it to that point where it's Just starting to freeze up and stiffen up, so it goes in a liquid and it comes out, you know, like a soft serve consistency. And part of the reason for that is because scooping hard ice cream into containers is really difficult, right? So, but you can, we can do quarts, we can do gallons, you know, immediately right out of the machine. So we'll, you know, when you fill a five-gallon batch, and then you take it and we put it into a like a flash freezer, a batch, you know, so it goes from the batch freezer into a chest freezer, which so the batch freezer which is the little churn thing gets it down to below freezing so for whatever the ice cream is different different ice creams freeze slightly differently right you know yeah yeah and that's, that's and so. that's and you know and then towards the tail end actually is when we like add in the cookie chunks right mm-hmm. so it's it's little it's kind of a funny so some of the ingredients you can add into the batch freezer and they'll churn and mix in but like if you wanted to add like m&ms or something it's have to have very specific additives and add them at very specific times because if you add like m&ms in right like you get all these colored m&ms and mix them all in if it's too warm oh, they just melt and you end up with like color just streaks random yeah, yeah, rainbow like, colored looking stuff well yeah, the, and then they all mix and it's just brown you know oh. <laughs> it's like oh man ding. You know? that's, that's
0: how you learn right yeah
1: yeah so but like you know so there's different times and stages and you know that's kind of that's where that's where having robert on staff has just been Right, like he's just like this is when you do it, you know, okay. is how you do it? he knows right There's yeah no, the learning curve kind of disappeared when he came on right Because like we got the recipes and everything but like how do you make ice cream right you know so we kind of was able to learn a lot of that from him um and it's so that part of it or that process of it has been a lot of fun and it's uh it's just so then we take you take that product the soft serve consistency product and we throw it right into a negative 20 freezer So the goal is to get it frozen as quickly and as hard as we can, as quickly as we can, right? So then, and a lot of that is just preserving the quality because the best quality, like the best, the highest quality point for that ice cream is when it comes out of the batch freezer. And I kid you not, that is the best ice cream I've ever had. Like if you think this is good, oh man, when it's fresh, like when it's that fresh, it's just like, gee. If I come visit and give me a yeah. A yeah you got to time, scenes. you got to yeah, time
0: yeah, yeah, it right yeah. for the day we're producing. Okay, right? yeah, that's, right. you know,
1: I'll make sure to get a hold of you to figure time. out the production schedule and show up at the right moment. You doing the yeah. batch, for, you doing the batch? Uh, Yeah, running the batch freezer today. <laughs> oh, it's, I'm gonna be a half yeah, an hour maybe. late. Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, and then yeah, so but and then by doing that, that's when we're able to preserve this product, right? So we we get it and store it. We try to store it super cold too, right? So we keep it super cold for storing it because what you don't want is uh like a, a thaw and refreeze right because mm-hmm. that's what hurts the quality right that's when you start to get that icing layers and yeah. you know and like this stuff you know it's like luckily it's it, it's only made one trip where it kind of melted a little bit right and that's it tends to be okay if it's only once or twice but when we're storing it we keep it super cold all the time and we've had to invest in some bigger freezers and more freezer space and and we 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 quickly came to the realization like we're gonna have make like we need to make sure there's a generator here because
0: oh, yeah. power goes
1: out. We can't lose you know freezers full of ice cream. So that was kind of the the goal there. So and then, but when we serve it, so it's funny because it's actually almost it's like you know almost impossible to scoop at negative twenty. It's just like hard as a rock, and you're like gonna break your arm off. You know, scoop. So we actually warm it up a little bit to scoop it and serve. It's about negative five or negative two. Dependent. It depends a little bit on who's scooping, even you know. So a big, strong linebacker type guy can do it at negative big, four. Big Pat Redman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Strong Arrgh. Pat Redman, right? Yeah, you, know, and, <laughs> you know, and our other, you know, maybe one of the other partners is a smaller guy. You know, doesn't can't quite get he's there. A, you know, he's yeah. a few degrees warmer. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Huh.
0: Wow. So that's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. I you usually know. ask people what. What what would they do if, if they weren't in agriculture? I don't know if you'd want it. it sounds like you're pretty happy with what know, you're I'm doing. I'm just gonna
1: keep finding. Yeah, I made ice cream. What do you mean? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I went. Yeah, it's kind of I, I joke because I uh, when I was dairy farming, it was you know everybody's like, oh yeah, it'd be fun to come see where you work, Pat, and kind of check out the farm, and and it's like, oh yeah, come on over any time. And a few people would come, right? People wanted to see, really wanted to see a dairy farm, They'd be like, wow, this is kind of cool. But now that I work at a winery. <laughs> and have an ice cream business people are really showing up you know it's like all of a sudden those people who said yeah i want to come see what you're doing they're they're actually pulling in the driveway now you know <laughs> yeah 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 so and it's good you know and it's a lot of fun and um and it's and it's and it's really exciting for me because Weimer uh they do an amazing job in the tasting both Weimer and standing stone so and and for me it's really it's great because i get to kind of you know it's almost like i get to show off like guys this is what we do and it's great and it's I get to expose the product to new people and more people and and then with the ice cream, it's like, come and check out the ice cream. Because, like, you think I'm crazy. You think Ducks, Pat, like, you've lost your mind. Like, you went off the deep end. You quit dairy farming. You got into vineyard management. And now Ducks, Pat, are you okay? You know? And it's like, just here. You know? Try try the yeah, ice cream. Try, you know? it, yeah. <laughs> so that's been, it's been a lot of fun kind of getting people exposed to it and to see it. So I, if I wasn't in agriculture, I guess I'd probably be, like, a venture capitalist, right? I'd be running around just... Finding business startups and seeing what I could do, you know, because I kind of, there's an excitement to starting a business or starting a project mm-hmm. like this where it's like, man, we're putting a lot on the line and we're going to make it work, you know? So it's yeah. an excitement that I kind of, that buzz almost is, you know, it's going to become addicting. I'm a little worried that I may just keep doing this, you know? <laughs> huh? So stay tuned for my future endeavors, you know? <laughs> I might be back with a different thing next time, Eric. <laughs> Oh, well, there's, there's always sheep
0: and yeah. pigs and everything else in between, so... Yeah, no, we're not done yet, right? <laughs> so, yeah, if you wanted to give a little... what did they have, like, a Facebook or anything that people... have Websites that people could go on for the wineries and the ice cream place? Yeah,
1: it, so if... if
0: and I can put them in the, the description and all that, Yeah, too. I can
1: get you this, uh but it's... it's I think it's weemer.com or shop... com or something, you know, for the, for the winery. And then Standing Stone, if you Google either... Weimer Vineyards or Standing Stone, they'll both, you know, show up and you can buy direct from those shops. And then for Spotted Duck, most of it, I think if the best way to find it is either on Facebook or Instagram. We have a page on each that links you to our online shop right now. And that's, you have to go and pick it up or, you know, if you're listening to this and you know me, I can arrange delivery if, you know, if I like you enough and uh, if you buy enough. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of the fun part. have a part. volume discount. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So there's, a, it is, yeah, that's kind of the gist of what we're, that was, uh, I guess I, I, I feel, yeah, I, I think I kind of covered everything that I've transitioned from growing up in Scipio Center, New York now to manage a duck. So, oh, and the locations, right. I didn't even, uh, so we're just east of Penn on route 54 where 14 and 54 intersect. So that's spotted duck. That's the spotted duck. And then south of there in Dundee is the town name, uh for the Herman J. Weimer. And then on the other side of the lake in Hector, just the part of Hector. which lake that's Seneca, Seneca. Lake. That's Seneca, on lake. Seneca lake. Yeah. Okay. All those are on Seneca Lake. So if you're ever on the Seneca Lake wine trail, like give me a call. I can, Wine and, ice cream. It, wine and ice it cream it seems to pair pretty well for me the pairing did well the <laughs> cookies and cream paired very well without a reason those yeah.
0: cookie chunks i mean i've talked about before cookies are my kryptonite and man <laughs> I just, I eat, I like, that i'll that take the ice quart. cream with me here yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah i won't ruin <laughs> yeah, I'm, you, you know i might <laughs> like, just eat the whole thing no it's good yeah no i highly recommend if you're in the area or anything the wine and the ice cream are delicious yeah. <laughs> that's great
1: yeah so cool
0: anyway yeah and anything else or?
1: I think that kind of, those are the, that's the, those are the big things, the big rocks okay. that, you know, that I've kind of taken on here and there'll be a puppy at the ice cream stand this summer too, if you're interested. You got a little guy now? A little puppy, on the way, it's coming. Okay. So there'll be a little. No more cats? I still have a cat and it's going to be interesting to see how the two of them interact. <laughs> the cat's probably going to eat the crap out of the dog. I, well, for a, for a short time, but it's not a big cat, you know, so. <laughs> But yeah, it'll be, it'll be kind of exciting to see how that goes and what happens with it.
0: All right. Cool. Well, well you probably have to get home here soon to put the ducks in before it gets too late. Right. Yeah. Before it gets too late, I do Your have whole <laughs> flock of, is it a flock of ducks are dead uh, or you a, don't it's want a, that? It's a,
1: it's a row. A I row. It's a row or a boat of ducks because oh. they're, you know, they're swimming creatures. And okay.
0: <laughs> i've learned a lot in this i must say uh, i've enjoyed this i hope yeah i
1: i I feel like i talked quite a bit but no that's uh, that's
0: what's about man it was good so so anyway pat
1: yeah thank you my man thanks for having me eric and i really hope that you know hope you know remember subscribe resubscribe yeah yeah like it comment blow blow it up on on
0: social media so yeah no if you're out that way stop and see pat and uh i'll have you back on eventually you can give an update yeah (laughs) when you get your next uh pig farmer that's right when it
1: develops that's right perfect
0: anyway thanks everyone for watching and uh i'll see you in the next episode